0: i'm excited to continue this teaching series as we get to the fourth of our four movement maker statements we'll be finishing the teaching series next weekend it's the one series we do every year and it's a little different every year but we want people to get what we're doing as a church family as a family of churches that we are about the greater movement of jesus and what's happening in the world today and not just about growing our one local church And how do we balance that with what we've been having here, which is we're running out of chairs most weekends at the 1015 or the 1130 service, and we are at capacity for this building and space. And so I'm going to be going over some things this morning that I think are important for the next six months or even the next couple of years in the life of our church. If you're new with us, again, we want to welcome you. We believe nobody's too far from God to experience life change through Jesus, that the church should be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So wherever you're at spiritually, thank you for taking the time on a you know, warm morning where you could have been doing anything that you wanted and you came here to study God's word and worship together. If you're here and you're not a Christian, welcome. We started this church for you. I can't wait to see what God does uh, during our time together. But that said, will you put your hands together? Welcome those who are attending live online right now as well from different parts of our state, country, and even the world. And so we invite you to share this service can't wait to see the spiritual impact God's going to make online. I want to talk this morning about what, for me at least, is what I'm most passionate about in all of this entire teaching series. That I think in American church, we get this wrong all the time. Of what church in the New Testament looked like, it's not often what our churches today look like. That we shouldn't just be about growing our local church larger, we must have a culture of multiplication. The whole goal in the New Testament is to multiply believers, which multiply disciples. And so we must have a culture of uh, multiplication. And if we're going to have a culture of multiplication, we're going to have to multiply disciples. We're going to have to multiply spiritual leaders. We're going to have to multiply our uh, missional communities, our outposts. We're going to have to multiply disciple-making huddles. We're going to have to multiply eventually churches. And I want to share the vision of why all that occurs and where we find it in the New Testament. We turn to Luke chapter eight, Luke chapter eight, beginning in verse one. Uh, You know, I'll tell you, uh, if you're new to the gospel of Luke, this is a two part book. Luke was a first century physician, one of the more educated uh, writers of the entire New Testament, the most educated. We know that because the The language is so much more difficult to translate. If you read anything the disciple John wrote, he was not an educated uh, man, and it's very easy to translate. But if you read anything that Luke wrote, a two-part book, Luke Acts, it's a lot harder. And so he gives you a lot of details that you don't get in other parts of the New Testament. And in this, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is going to start heading towards Jerusalem. And eventually, Jesus is going to go to the cross, be crucified, resurrect from the grave, atoning and covering up for our sin and wrongdoing, also defeating death so that anybody who believes in Jesus can have everlasting life. It's a beautiful thing. It's the gospel. It's the good news that we want to share. But before he heads there, he shares some stories, some parables And in Luke 8, I think we get a very important story or parable for today in our culture and the way we should operate as followers of Jesus. You ready to study God's word together, church? Come on, I'm going to move quick. Luke, well, a little extra excited at this service. Uh, Luke 8, verse 1, after this, Jesus traveled around from town to town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, a little interesting thing, Jesus didn't actually go town to town and say, hey, Uh, pray, and you'll go to heaven when you die. Although I definitely think a a part of the the gospel, the good news is that if you surrender your life to Jesus, that you will go to heaven. You can have everlasting life. But the goal was the kingdom of God was at hand, he said. Literally the reign of God, R-E-I-G-N. God wants to reign in your life. And that he's like, that. God is at hand. He is at work. He is moving. He wants you to have everlasting life, but he also wants to use your life now. Have you ever thought about this? Billy Graham, probably the greatest evangelist of the, the last century, that the same spirit of God that was in Billy Graham, if you're a follower of Jesus, have surrendered your life, received the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was in Billy Graham is in you. That's kind of weird to think about, isn't it? In fact, I, I share this a lot uh, with pastors and leaders. You know, I love technology. Uh, do we have anybody in here who loves technology? If we said, hey, today in the lobby, we've got, there's three of us, that's great. Uh, we got, how many of you hate technology? Should've started there, wow. Uh, uh, but if we said there was new iPhones or iPads or whatever, at least the three of us would be running out into the lobby to collect those. I do know this with certainty that uh, I believe that churches need to reach the context. And so we want to utilize all forms of technology to reach more people for Christ. And if we told pastors at leadership seminars I've done, hey, we got free tech gear that's going to help your church out in the lobby, they would stop immediately and sprint out there and and do it. And I want to tell you this morning that I believe we have the latest biotech the world has ever seen right at our hands. It doesn't even just have artificial intelligence. It has real intelligence, at least most of the time. And that is a living, breathing human being. The latest, greatest technology the world has ever seen that can think for itself and make an impact that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Scripture says that God could use you to make a spiritual impact. So when God says the kingdom of God is at hand, the good news that we're spreading is that you were created on purpose, you were redeemed by the work of Jesus, and that you could live with him eternally, but you could also be used by him now with your time, talents, and treasures to make an in- impact with the short life that you've got. You see, he goes on and he says this. The 12, those first 12 disciples were with him, and also some women We often forget that some of the women were making some of the greatest impact in those days of Jesus' ministry. These women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, one of them, Mary Magdalene, you probably heard of her from whom seven demons had come out. Also Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. So she came from King Herod, like she had wealth and influence. She was making an impact. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means, by the way. So he has this group of people, these young disciples who were teenagers, these women, the people that you wouldn't normally see following a rabbi. And they, he was about to tell them how to make a big impact with their life. Well, verse four, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable or story. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. We're going to break all this down here this morning. In verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Our goal as a church is not just to reach people far from God. That's our mission statement. We want to reach people far from God, disciple them into passionate relationship with Jesus. But we want to see a greater movement for God happen a hundredfold in our lifetime. Do you believe that's possible? Like, I know we're supposed to say, yeah, but like, do you really believe that's possible? That it's not just in New Testament times that God is still doing radical things. Do you realize in the last few years of our church, despite the global pandemic and all that stuff that was going on in the world, We've seen that we sent out four to five hundred people to plant new Mercy Road churches. That there are more people right now on Sunday worshiping in other Mercy Road churches than are worshiping in this original one. That they're all, again, at Anderson last weekend, they, they saw another person give their life to Christ and get baptized. And we're seeing that happen in Multiply, Indiana. We've planted now 29 churches in the last little over six years. It's radical what's happening. And in the middle of all of that, this original church, you would say, yeah, but you send resources away, you send people away, and then the local church died. I had people say, you're going to rob Jer- Jerusalem to feed Judea or whatever. They take that Acts 1 out of context. And I want to tell you that is a lie. That when God is on the move, he does radical things even today. While we did all that stuff, we saw this church continue to grow. And two weeks ago, we had by far the highest uh, normal Sunday attendance we've ever had. We're baptizing more people. We're having more people get baptized this morning. We had somebody email us yesterday in a, a Saturday afternoon that wants to get baptized. And I'm just telling you that don't think that the movement of the New Testament church can't occur today. God is still God. And what we have the capacity to do is to see a greater move of Jesus happen. I'm a little passionate about this. I don't know if you can tell that. And so let's just recap. If you missed the first three weeks, it's cool. A little recap. Our four movement maker statements. Our motto is to live boldly and love deeply. We, we don't want to be a spiritually dead place. We want to live our faith out boldly, but we want to do it out of the love of Christ. Our motto is to follow Jesus up in and out. To produce disciples that are following him in that way. And our church model reflects that our mission. We exist to see people far from God discipled into a passionate relationship with Jesus. And then the final one today that we're going over the greater movement. It's in the hallway there on those big banners. We desire to see a million people give their lives to Christ in the state of Indiana. We even put a date on it by the year 2050. And you may be like, "That's a silly goal." There's less than seven million people in the state of Indiana, <laughs> but. We would never be able to accomplish that mission if it was just how do we grow our church bigger? It requires us to believe that hundredfold growth, impact, multiplication can actually occur. And that's what I want to discuss. Will you pray with me? God, uh, man, in a culture today where sometimes we don't prioritize you or even prioritize come together as the body of Christ, so many people have come together this morning. And we've maybe come from different cultural backgrounds, different ethnicities, God, different socioeconomic statuses, maybe even people that uh, aren't even Christian yet. Maybe there's some atheists or agnostic people here. God, we started this church for people just like that. I pray this morning for all our different backgrounds, you might unite us and teach us your truth through your word, God. They don't need to hear more words from me or any human being. We need to hear from you through your word. So whatever is not of you, I've prayed, fall on deaf ears. What is from you, you'd speak to our soul. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit in this room with us. We worship you, and we pray that you would speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, I'm excited for many reasons today. Well, I get to preach on something I'm really passionate about. Uh, a lot of youth sports yesterday it was a fun day for our family. Anybody have some youth sports going on yesterday? Uh, how many of you are like glad that that's over? Uh, a few of you? Yeah, okay, for being honest. Uh, but it was also the kickoff of college football yesterday. Yeah, we got some college football fans in here. If you're not a sports person, it's cool. We got other analogies than just sports, but I, it was kind of our annual poll where we find out where everyone lies spiritually by who they root for on <laughs> Saturday. And so let's just start with the dark side. Uh, do, do we have any Ohio State fans out there? Yeah. No No, don't boo because I'll tell you this, Ohio state fans are always very passionate. Do we have Ohio State fans out there? Yeah, OK, now you're not going to yell, but A couple in the back. It's OK. Well, Ohio state fans and then here's the one. these are always very passionate, and let's well, just get over over with. Do we have any Michigan fans out there? <laughs> oh, you got me there. Uh, I mean, we do say, Brad, we're a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. So, But we got a lot of uh, Wolverine fans out there, I guess. And then, uh, do we have any Indiana football fans? This is the biggest group of Indiana football fans we've had. I love it. Uh, and then, is that Everybody? Then we'll say, the, I don't know why we always have a lot of these. Do we have any Purdue football fans? It's Oh, that, that, there's a lot of Purdue football fans. At 9 a.m., that was the biggest one, and it has tended to be for some reason. But then let's talk to the people who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we have any Notre Dame football fans? Wow, this is a first. They usually boo me, but yeah. I love it. Yeah, Irish. Big day yesterday in Ireland. It was fun. Uh, But here's what I find. You're like, I don't like football at all. That's not of God. (laughs) You, I love college football. And it's like, I saw so many of you posting pictures yesterday on social media. You've been waiting. When college football kicks off, I think of two things. The first one is not a pleasant thing. It's, oh no, winter's going to be here soon. All right. And then the second thing I think about, but thank goodness there's college football. And man, people get so excited. We wait in eager expectation for the kickoff of that season. And then it finally gets here. And we're all sharing. And we're talking about it. We root. We're passionate. My son went to his first high school football game this weekend. He came back and I, he didn't even have a voice anymore. He'd been screaming so loudly. Man, we get excited. I want to tell you this morning that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I love it. But you are meant to be so much more than just a fan of a particular sports team. That when you join with the team, with the family of God, if we waited with that type of eager expectation for the return of Christ to tell people about what he's done for us. Man, could you imagine what the world would look like? So when Jesus tells these people he's preaching to and the 12 and the the women who are following him, he he gets to say, guys, if you get this, how important this is, that you're willing to spread the good news to be a world changer for me. Man, it it will be incredible what I could do. God could do around the world, he says. I don't know about you, but I kind of get convicted sometimes of where my devotion lies in my life. And I want to have that type of passionate devotion to the movement of Jesus Christ in our culture today, where it's the most important thing in my life, not like on the third or fourth tier. And that's really at the heart of what I want to talk about with the underground Jesus movement. If you're like, why do you guys call it that? I find too much in church. We don't look like the New Testament church. We're more concerned about celebrity culture and about followings and social media stuff than we are about actually producing disciples who are making disciples, who are living the mission of Jesus out. That's why in the underground church in China expanded rapidly. The Jesus movement that we saw the movie about, all of that occurred because the emphasis wasn't on the public ministry. It was on the underground aspect of what Jesus was doing in that world. I think we could see that happen today. If you're taking notes, the Underground Jesus Movement, number one, uh, a movement must scatter. If we're going to reach a million people for Christ in the state of Indiana, we're going to have to scatter. Over the last several years, we've broken up so many friendships. (laughs) We've sent people out to other churches to start new things. It's hard. Look what he says here in Luke 8, verses 5 through 8. Remember, a farmer went out to sow a seed, and he's scattering it. He scatters the seed. Some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Doesn't it seem like the farmer's kind of wasting some of the seed? In fact, if you look, it says, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop 100 times. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, he's just scattering the seed lavishly. And the seed represents the word of God. He's telling people about Jesus. He's just doing it lavishly. He's not even caring. Any first century farmer would have been like, that's offensive. What a waste of a valuable commodity. That seed, it's lost on us because none of you farm, but it's like, why would you scatter the seed so lavishly all over the place? A Lucan scholar named John Nolan writes this, This sower sows seed, which has an extraordinary yield potential. He knows he is in line for a bumper yield. He can afford to be generous with his seed. The end of the story vindicates his confidence. The yield is a remarkable hundredfold return, which is to be compared to a typical yield of seven to tenfold. He wants to spread it everywhere because if just one seed takes root, it's going to be a hundredfold growth. This isn't just any normal seed. The good news of Jesus radically changes lives. It takes former fraternity guys and, and turns them into people who tell people about Jesus. He takes people who in here who are coming out of addiction and recovery, and he's going to make you a world changer for Christ. He's going to take people in here who live for greed and their personal empire, and they're going to say, hey, how do you make an impact a hundredfold with your life? Wherever you're at spiritually or wherever you're at in your, your journey today, I want to encourage you that we need to tell people about Jesus. Do it lavishly. Spread it because you never know whose life is going to change. We should do everything we can do to reach anyone everywhere. If, if you look at the New Testament, it feels super chaotic. Like the next thing you know, they're, they're going to like... The church grows in Jerusalem, and then it gets up in Antioch, becomes home base. And then these pagans, they start coming to know Jesus. We preached about that a couple weeks ago. And then it begins to spread in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. They just start churches all over the place. And then they start churches farther west in the Roman Empire. Then it spreads to the whole Roman Empire. But within 300 years, the official religion of the Roman Empire will become Christianity, Largely because in the second century, when there was a great plague in Rome and everybody was fleeing, the Christians ran in to help. People were so moved that they naturally saw that there was something different about living this way. And there's a whole book not written by a Christian called The Rise of Christianity that describes this. What I want to tell you this morning is that the movement of Jesus can happen if we believe in the power of what Christ can do, one seed can do when it enters a life. And so we have to do everything to reach everyone everywhere. And that starts here at our local church, yes. Nothing wrong with reaching people for Christ and growing the local church, but that's not our end goal. In fact, I I want to tell you this morning, because we want to reach as many people for Christ here at Mercy Road Carmel, we're looking at the season of how to maximize the impact we can have. And I shared this two weeks ago, and I want to give you some more detail. We've come up with a plan because at this service and at 1130, uh, we run out of chairs. Almost every weekend, one of them were setting up chairs. I mean, a couple weeks ago, we had all like all of our space taken by chairs. And so uh, we found out that with theater seating, because the seats fold up, it'll be just as comfortable because it'll be like any place you go where there's theater seating. Uh, we could actually fit 150, if not 200 more people in here at all three services. That's a huge impact. And so we decided that we want to dedicate our end-of-year campaign that we do every year to that. And in fact, we decided, hey, why don't we announce it now rather than in late October like we typically do? And so we were trying to think of uh, this will include... All of the seating, the theater seating, some stadium seating in the back there, finally fixing the stage. You may not realize this, but there's holes all over this stage. (laughs) And we're going to fix some of the problems we've had in here for years that we never fixed because we planted churches instead. And then uh, another big part of it will be the one thing on this building. This used to be a Borders bookstore. I don't know if you knew that. And the one thing we haven't replaced on the building because we planted churches instead of fixing it was the HVAC system. And it's beyond... (laughs) Time to do that, do this, but we're finally going to do it and replace the HVAC system at this building. If you're like that, doesn't sound cool and fun. I, I actually think it's the most important part of this whole project. Um, and then in addition to that, as we make more room for people here, we hope to also in the kids space. It won't include an expansion of the kids space, but we'll now be using room seven every week for kids space when the new auditorium opens up. And with that, uh, we're going to hopefully be able to purchase some new kids furniture to help with the space and capacities so that we can make it a more comfortable experience for all the kiddos back there. And so we want to make room for as many people as possible so we can reach as many people as we can for Christ. And so there it is. We, we uh, as a team, thought of what were we going to call this campaign to make room for more people. And we came up with this brilliant title, <laughs> Make Room. So that's pretty much it, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, you can actually see some of the seating that's going to occur in there, but I'm super pumped and excited for this. So you might say, "Well, I-, I thought you were about the the bigger picture, reaching you know new new churches and all of that. Why why do that? Well, we're in a season of recuperating from all of that, and we know in about a year and a half to two years that's going to start back up again. And so we want to maximize our capacity here. We we want to be known for our sending capacity, not our seating capacity. I think that's super important. But so the reason that we do that now is because we want to maximize the number of people we can send, not that we can have more people that just sit in a chair for the next 30 years of their life. Right. Like we want to disciple people and get them ready, send them out on mission to make a spiritual impact. J.D. Greer in his book, Gaining by Losing, talks about this exact thing of I encourage you to read that book. We had all of our team read that book a number of years ago of how to actually reach as many people for Christ, make the biggest kingdom impact you can. And he uses this analogy that we don't want to be the cruise ship, right, where we just build the biggest cruise ship possible and help entertain you all. We're not a social club, right? Some of you wish we were, but that's not our goal. Uh, We're also not the battleship. The the goal isn't to become the biggest ship that can make the biggest impact with just this one local church. He uses the analogy, J.D. Gerd does, of the aircraft carrier. We want to uh, be known more for sending capacity than our CD capacity. The USS Nimitz is one of the largest supercarriers in the world, uh, can hold dozens of planes, and it's one of the most dangerous and fiercest ships in the ocean. And so we want to actually, by making more room for people here, we're enlarging the aircraft carrier to be, send even more people out to plant more churches in the future. In fact, uh, if you don't know this, you should. Pastor Jeremy Leffler, who oversees our family ministry, when he started, we said, hey, we want you to invest for three years here into the next-gen department, and then we're going to get ready to send you out to plant a church. And so he's about a year and a half into that, and sometime in the next year and a half to two years, he's going to start the process of uh, planting a church. We're serious about this on every level. If you're like, those are some big-picture things, but where do I start? Well, if you're new here, we have the perfect place to start. It even fits with the analogy of being planted. Uh, It's Rooted. And Rooted is a 10-week discipleship experience. It starts in a week and a half here on Wednesday night. Fall is usually one of our biggest groups. If you've never been through Rooted, man, I want to like absolutely challenge you to do it this session. It's going to be on Wednesday nights. If you can't do Wednesday nights uh, here at the building, we will have other groups that meet during the week in homes. But I encourage you, you can sign up for Rooted today by writing Rooted on your Connect card or just going out to the Rooted table right afterwards. It's that simple. We want everybody in our church to go through the Rooted experience. But then after that, uh, and that kicks off September 6th, child care will be provided We we want to scatter the seed and reach as many people for Christ and then begin to disciple them through rooted and huddles and then have them live on mission and outposts like Pastor Nate talked about. But we also, the movement must multiply then. Number two, if you're taking notes, underground Jesus movement, a movement must multiply. Look what happens here in verse eight. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. He's like, whoever has ears, you better listen up. Time to pay attention. You have the potential to have a hundredfold crop just if you see one seed take root. In fact, we're using this within Multiply Indiana over the last uh, two years. We've done this thing called March for a Million, where we've uh, prayed and fasted and we've worshiped on Monument Circle with dozens of other churches, and we've called out to God to make a million disciples uh, for Christ by the year 2050 in our state. And uh, we had a plan for September 16th. And in late June, the city of Indianapolis reached back out to us, and because of the monument construction, they were going to have some issues we had to walk through. And we just recently found out that we're not going to be able to host the event on the monument. And so we began to, it was very devastating we put a lot of time and energy into it this year. We're going to have it be the biggest thing we've done yet. And we just had to say, okay, what is God doing? And we started realizing that we were putting on an event to gather people and do this big thing, but we weren't doing the most important thing. We were getting the cart before the horse. We weren't actually following up with people and challenging them to make 100 disciples with their life. That 100-fold growth, Right. That was our goal. So we decided, well, instead of doing this one big event, what if we did a couple of nights of worship, of getting all the Multiply Indiana churches and any other churches that want to get together to worship God, and on that night, we just make a call out to people that want to make disciples with their lives to sign up, and we're going to pray and anoint you for disciple-making, and pray that you have a hundredfold crop, crop, and, and then we're going to actually track and follow up with that. And so get ready, because you're going to hear the details of that coming very soon, Uh, We're hopeful that we'll see if it happens, that we might even be able to rent out Clues Hall at Butler Campus. We have a huge vision for what God could do in our state by the year 2050, but it's going to require us to think multiplication-minded, that a hundredfold growth is actually possible. And it's going to take people making disciples and then not being afraid to live out the mission that God's calling you to in your life, which is what our Outpost Network is all about. Instead of just having small groups, we have disciple-making groups who want to go out in the community and say, how can we make a spiritual impact with our life? Our next outpost tailgate is coming up on October 1st. I'm giving you plenty of time. Get it on your calendar because it's one of the most fun things that we do. There'll be food out in the parking lot. There's going to be inflatables. We're going to have all the outposts out there. It's going to be a blast. One of those outposts is the Breakfast Club outpost this morning, so be sure and tell them thank you. But you could get involved in one of those communities or you could start a new one. We want to multiply. So here's the thing. If it feels overwhelming, wait, we got rooted and we got discipleship models, and then we live on mission and outposts and then we're planting new churches through the Mercy Road family of churches. But then we're also planting under the bigger umbrella of uh, Multiply Indiana and planting all these dozens of churches in the state. That's a lot of stuff. Read the New Testament. Look at what it was like. They just started planting churches all over the place because the spirit of God was on the move and God is capable of doing all those things and we won't see a hundredfold crop if we don't believe that God has the the possibility that the spirit of God that was in Billy Graham is in you and you are meant for more than just attending church You you could be somebody who actually reaches new people for Christ, disciples him, lives on mission. God is not just calling you to pray and be redeemed by him. He's then asking you to join with what he's doing in the world and the greater movement that's happening today. It doesn't just happen in New Testament times. It's happening right now. I had a guy text me yesterday and just say, you don't understand how thankful I am for the church. Because I saw some of it online too. He needed some things fixed on his house. He's trying to sell his house. He's going through some stuff. And, and he had some brothers in Christ just show up and fix like 20 things on his house yesterday. Like that, that's real. You're like, oh, that doesn't look like the big movement you're talking about. No, that, that's the level it starts at. What did Jesus tell us to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and being and love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to start somewhere, start with those two things. That's how we see the multiplying impact occur. To know that anybody can do that. And I think that in American churches, we have such a small vision sometimes. We believe if we just grow this church bigger, we have a good 10-year plan. How are we going to expand the campus? And I want to tell you, that nothing wrong with that stuff. I just think it's a small vision. Because in the New Testament, that's not where they were spending their time. They were sending people out to change the world. And I use this analogy that uh, we don't want to be, you know, if you think of the largest living organism in the world, we don't want to be the blue whale or even the sequoia tree, if you think those are the largest. The largest living organism in the world, according to Mass, is the aspen tree. You can find 5,000 square miles of forest in parts of Colorado that are clonal colonies, that literally the DNA is the same of each new tree, and it's planted both from the roots and from the seed, and they're all interconnected within the roots, and it operates as one living organism for 5,000 square miles of forest. I believe it's a picture of the kingdom of God, of the church, and the chaotic nature of that. If you're like, that sounds like Avatar. The The director, James Cameron, his wife is a big fan of aspen trees, then they go visit them in one of their many homes. So uh, That's where the idea for Avatar came from. And I think that when you read the New Testament, it's this multiplying movement where God can use anybody to send them out. And it looks chaotic, but it's making a way bigger impact than if we were controlling it. The third and final point is this. A movement must be rooted in fertile soil. The most important part of this whole process was it only grew to a hundredfold when it was rooted in fertile soil. And Jesus explains the parable in verses 11 to 15. It says this. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those who walk along the path are the ones who hear, for, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Maybe that's somebody in the room this morning. The enemy's been at work at you. Or verse 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root they believe for a while, you see this, you know, you can attend church like six months, a year, you go to Rooted and you tend for a while, but it doesn't really take root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. No guilt or shame this morning, but maybe you can find yourself in some of this. Or at verse 14, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature well, I'd have to give up this, or I, my finances would have to look different if I was going to follow God, or I, I would have to take my time and, and live differently. And I, I got too many things that I'm worried or concerned about. These are normal things that squelch what God is doing. In fact, these three things, the three things that squelch a movement, I believe, are those three things that Jesus just talked about. Number one, the devil. Number two, not being discipled to really take root in your faith. You've prayed a prayer, but you haven't really been discipled. And I think i got the slides for this. And number three, worldly riches and temptations. Thanks, guys. And and maybe you can see one of those and go, yeah, that's it. That's what's been keeping me from really becoming who God created me to be. Or maybe you're like, "Uh, I'm pretty sure that's all three. Uh, (laughs) You know, I'm I'm hitting 100% right now. I want to encourage you today that what Jesus is also getting at here in this passage, spread that seed lavishly because if it sticks in fertile soil, it could actually have a hundredfold crop. And I want to tell you today, you can choose where you're planted. He's given you that choice. You, you can choose to surround yourself in Christian community, to study God's word, to make your choices off of what God wants and desires for you, to, to listen to someone else, allow them to disciple you, to fight against the, the enemy's attacks by going to, him, to God in prayer, fasting. I want to tell you that you were created for more and that if you're planted in the fertile soil of Christian community, people who love Jesus, we will have a hundredfold more stories of people coming to Christ. We will have more stories of people helping them fix their house up in their time of need. More stories like one of our outposts that are for years helping uh, the addiction recovery and offering support every single week for those who need it. We'll have more stories like our outposts, the LOV outposts, helping in the foster care system to eradicate the need for it by meeting the physical needs of single moms and dads and keeping kids in the home, I want to tell you, you can become a world changer just like all those people just by simply saying, I'm going to be rooted in the fertile, healthy soil of knowing Jesus Christ and being surrounded by Christian community. But you have the ability to choose whether or not you want to live in that type of healthy lifestyle. And it starts today. I'm going to tell you, man, I I know that there's somebody in the room right now or maybe many of us in the room right now who, if we're honest, we're not growing spiritually. Whether it's we've been choked off by the worries of life, whether the enemy's attacks have just been getting us distracted, or whether it's we haven't really taken the time to have the humility to be discipled by someone who's done this before. Let's shed that off this morning and be rooted in healthy, fertile soil. And I want to give you the opportunity to start that process right now. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for every person here. God, when, when you created us, you knew. You were outside of time. You knew that we would all be here at this moment, right now. It says you know every hair on our head. God, your Holy Spirit has been ministering to us before we ever stepped foot in this space. All we're asking this morning is, God, that we might have the humility to respond to your word. If that's you in the room and you would like to surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus or whether you want to recommit your life to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I want to be a world changer, to have a spiritual impact a hundredfold. And so, God, this morning... I want to be rooted in your fertile, healthy soil. So on this day, August 27, 2023, I commit my life to you fully as Lord. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you. And I surrender in humility over to you. Help me to love you and to love others well. We love you, Jesus. And we give you this morning. We pray this in your name. And all God's family said, amen.